It's a great day to live for Jesus. This is the In the Word podcast with Pastor Mike Grover, a chapter-by-chapter devotional journey through the New Testament where we will browse the background, discover the doctrine, and practice the principles of God's Word for us today. Today in the Word, we're in uh, John chapter number 8. I'm going to read a pretty long portion this morning, beginning in verse number 33. And the situation here is that Jesus is uh, in an argument with the Jews over really who is the rightful representative of Abraham. It's really an argument of authenticity. So you have the religious leaders who do not view Jesus as the rightful Messiah, and they're basically claiming that they have the right and the lineage and the heritage because they are the children of Abraham by birth. They're his physical lineage. And Jesus is claiming, really, he's the right heir and offspring of Abraham, and not just through physical birth, but really being the the spiritual seed. And so we're going to pick up in this argument here in verse 33, and it says, They answered him, We are Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How do you say you shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say unto you, whoever commits sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abides not in the house forever, but the son abides forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Jesus said, I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me, because my word has no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you've seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that has told you the truth, which I heard from God. This did not Abraham. Abraham didn't do that. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we're not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceed forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? You are of your father the devil. Ouch! And the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he abode not in the truth, because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinces me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God hears God's words. You therefore hear them not, because you're not of God. Then the Jews answered and said to him, Say we not well that you're a Samaritan and have a devil? Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. And I seek not my own glory. There's one that seeks and judge. Verily, verily, I say to you, if a man keep my sayings, he will never see death. Then the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a devil. Abraham is dead, and the prophets, and you say, if a man keep my sayings, he will never taste of death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, which is dead, and the prophets are dead, Who do you make yourself? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I will will be a liar like you. But I know him, and I keep his sayings. 
Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. So you see the pressure building um, here in John's Gospel as we're moving closer and closer to that final confrontation with Jesus Christ and the Jewish leaders, really, of the sins of the world. Ultimately, it's going to culminate with Jesus dying on the cross, not because they took his life from him, because he willingly laid it down. He laid it down for their sins. He laid it down for our sins. But in this moment, it's more about the establishment of authenticity. Um, when God called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees back in Genesis, he said, I will make of you a great nation. And through Abraham's seed, God said that his blessing would go to all the world. We learn later in Paul's epistles when it was talking about the seed of Abraham, you have the physical seed, which was Israel, his human descendants, but you have the spiritual seed, which is Christ, which is really the father of all who come to God in faith in him. And so he's in this argument and they're going back and forth and Jesus is telling them that they have a different father and they're really offended by that because they're saying, we have one father, it's God. And man, Jesus in, in verse number um, 48 says to them, he says, you are of your father, the devil. Verse 44, you're your father, the devil. And so you got this argument over who is the rightful heir to Abraham. Now, this is important as you think about the purpose of the Gospels. It's establishing Jesus' authenticity. It's establishing his credibility as the Messiah. And so that's really the factual part that is going on here. But really the application of it for us, and as I look at this and I'm saying, Lord, speak to me today, um, you know what? We can say whatever we want with our words, but the real truth is in our actions, right? What's the old saying? The proof is in the pudding. Uh, you can argue how great your recipe is, but the, the proof is going to be in how it tastes. But look what Jesus said in verse 31. He said, if you continue in my words, then are you my disciples. Verse 39, um, Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Verse 41, you do the deeds of your father. In other words, you don't act like God, you act like the devil. Verse 47, he that's of God hears God's words. You therefore hear them not because you are not of God. So they're sitting here spouting out, we are Abraham's children, we're Abraham's children. Over and over again, Jesus said, it's not your words that you're being judged by right now, it's your actions. If you loved God, you would obviously see that I came from God. If you loved God, you would keep God's words. If you were the descendants of Abraham, if you were Abraham's children spiritually, you would act like Abraham acted and you're not doing any of them. So I think about how often I, I see people in, in a parallel for us today that would profess to be a Christ follower. Well, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, 
but they never show any kind of fruit whatsoever in their life. I remember years ago when I lived up in Jacksonville, and Jacksonville at the time, I don't know if it's true today, was probably one of the most churched cities in all of America. And we'd go out on visitation, and we'd be inviting people to church and telling them about Jesus. And we'd take a neighborhood, and maybe go knock on the doors there to just kind of talk to people. And I can't tell you how uh, uh, often, um, or how often I would knock on a door and the people would say, yeah, we're saved, we already know Jesus. Literally every door I knocked on, people knew about Jesus and, and they would profess to be faith, have faith in Christ. But then as the more you talked and the more you'd realize that there was this huge disconnect from the profession they were saying that they knew Jesus Christ as their savior and the way they were living or really their inattention to their spiritual life. And uh, so I think that's really kind of the vibe of what Jesus is doing here. You know, we are saying we are authentic. We are saying we're followers of God, but there's absolutely nothing in our life that shows it. That's not true Christianity. And you see somewhere along the way, particularly in Western Christianity, American Christianity, this distorted view came along of what it means to be a Christian. And this distorted view came along that being a Christian meant no more than I prayed a prayer. I prayed a prayer. I asked Jesus in my heart. Well, that's great if you pray a prayer that expresses genuine faith in Christ. And that's great if you ask Jesus to come into your life in a response of genuine faith in Christ. But when it becomes this kind of five-minute dash down the Romans road and these rote acknowledgments to these four or five principles, and a brief uh-huh and a prayer at the end, you know, Jesus said, follow me. So the evidence of true faith is not a prayer that I prayed. The evidence of true faith is that I am following Jesus Christ. And there, there's people that would argue and say, well, that's works, that's works. No, no, no. Works would be saying I'm basing my salvation on the work that I do. Grace is saying that the true salvation that I have produces works. Isn't that what James' argument was about faith versus works? He talked about the one man says, well, show me your, uh, you know, show me your faith and I'll show you it by my works. You know, the argument was that true faith produces works. That's just what the scripture says. So the argument of Jesus here and really for us today is if we are authentically who we say we are as followers of God, then there really ought to be an evidence and a fruit of it in our lives. We're not talking about sinless perfection. It's not perfection, it's direction. But we're talking about the substantial bent of our life should be in a forward motion of growth toward the Lord. Isn't that what it means in 2 Corinthians 5.17? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passing away, all things become new. Or even in Galatians chapter 5, says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. So that's that fruit, is that evidence of the Spirit and the presence of Christ in our life. Now, I don't think that means that there's never anything lacking there, but I think seeing that fruit of Spirit, let's take it as a measurement and just take one of the evidences, love. What's the opposite of love? The opposite of love would be hate. So let's just take a scale, I don't know, one to 10 scale and zero is hate and 10 is just loving perfectly. And what's the bent of your life? Do you find yourself hating more commonly than you find yourself loving? Joy, do you find yourself more often joyful or more often irritable? 
Now, I'm just saying is if we see this and if we look at this fruit of the Spirit, it maybe that's more of an evidence really of whether we're filled with the Spirit, but that's a good starting point. Jesus said in one of his epistles, he says, don't you know that Christ is in you? He said to the Galatians, I stand in doubt of you. Why? Because of the lack of fruit in their life. So Jesus is in this argument with the Jews over who is the rightful representative of Abraham. They want to take it back to this physical lineage that they had. Jesus says, no, it really ought to be judged by the fruit or the evidence in your life that you desire to follow God's word. So the word for today, very, very simple. Live like a Christian today. Thank you for listening today to In the Word. Join us every Tuesday and Friday for new episodes as we continue our devotional journey through the New Testament.